Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that as we just sung, that we are able to come before your holy presence, that you have given us boldness and access to you by the blood of the cross and through the spirit of the living God who dwells in each of us. And right now we want to surrender. We want to joyfully submit our entire lives to you, O oh God. That as we are gathered here in this room, as we are gathered virtually, as we begin this, this week and in the final weeks of this semester, God, and all that we have around, going on around us, before us and within us, help us to remember that you are the one who goes before us. You are the one that stands with us, that you are the one through the power of the Spirit dwells within us. And I pray, Holy Spirit of the living God, would you work afresh in every single heart right now. Jesus, we proclaim you as Lord over our mind, over our will, over our emotions, over our affections, over our agendas, over everything that we have before us. And I pray that in these next few moments, that as we open your word, that we would continue to encounter your holy presence and that you, Jesus, through the spirit of the living God, would teach us to pray in the way that you prayed so that we will have the power to live as you live. And so help us to have an understanding of what the scripture means when it says Christ in us, the hope of glory, and also at the same time of what it means to be in Christ, united to you, but also united to one another as members of the same body. Help us to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. Help us to know what it means in Galatians 6, 2, to bear one another's burdens and so, so, so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus, we need you. We need you more than ever. And we thank you that you desire more to meet with us than we desire to meet with you. And we thank you that you are here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for this opportunity to encounter you together in community and so, Jesus, have your way in and through us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this is indeed um, a big week and uh, a lot going on, a lot happening. And um, I wanted to just emphasize um, again that this week is the week of prayer and service. And it's a, a week that is an annual emphasis and a focus uh, used to be just a day of prayer and service in times past. We moved it to a week emphasis in order to really highlight uh, our heart behind it of wanting to cultivate prayer and service as a lifestyle. And, um, and so just a couple of things that I wanted to, to make mention of um, as, as we continue and before we um, open the word together. And um, as I'm, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6 today. So Matthew 6, so kind of right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, jumping ahead to Jesus' teaching on prayer as we're here for the week of prayer and service. But 
first, if you have not signed up yet for a prayer or service opportunity on the day of prayer and service, which is this Thursday, and as Macy said, that's a day that there's no class or chapel. Um, it's open for you to participate. We have numerous opportunities, and the kind of the capstone of that day is going to be gathering back here in this room, um, singing and celebrating and sharing testimonies how, how we've seen the Lord move uh, this, this week. And so sign up today. Today is actually the last day to sign up. And, um, and you can do that um, by QR code. If you open up your phone and take a picture of that, I think it will work from where you're sitting. You'll see signs all around in the, on the green um, and throughout campus. Um, there'll be an email that's maybe already in your inbox. It should be going out today just as a reminder. Um, and I want to encourage you today as well. Uh, on uh, Today, tomorrow, and Wednesday in the Billy, we're, we're going to have a table that's going to be a prayer um, and donation reception table uh, kind of station where we're going to have a student uh, sitting at that table to receive um, if you have a, do- a donation for the Union Gospel Mission. Um, if you're like, wait, we're doing that? Yes, this is part of the day of prayer and service or this week. And, and uh, you can see those on the posters of the different items that are up around campus. If you give a donation at the table, we have a free prayer resource called Praying the Psalms that will hand to you. And so, um, and then as well, um, you'll receive prayer. So come by for the prayer and donation table, um, noon to four, today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, and make sure to sign up uh, um, uh, on on the rock for an opportunity today. So, um, all right, with that in mind, I want to bring us to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. And I I want to ask you this question um, as, we, as we get into this text. And if you could ask Jesus right now, let's just pretend you could ask Jesus how to teach you to do anything, what would it be? Take a moment just to consider that. If you could ask Jesus to teach you how to do anything, what would it be? And uh, hey, just for fun, how about is anyone? Can anyone shout out what would they, what would you ask Jesus to teach you how to do? How to share the gospel? Okay, good. What else? How to trust? Okay. Good. Yeah, that trust that he had to the Father. I mean, that is crazy in the way that we see that living trust and that he had with with God the Father. How, Jesus, teach me how to do that. What else? Anything else come to mind? Oh, come on, wake up a little bit. Jesus is asking you, hey, I'll teach you how to do anything you want me to. What, 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 how would, what would you ask? To forgive. Good. What else? Walk like he walked? To love like he loved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I mean, there's so many different things, you know, uh, that that you could have said. There's so many different things um, that that maybe maybe came to mind. Maybe you think of feeding the five thousand um, with the little boys, you know, bag lunch, those little lunchables. You know, how do how do I do the miracles? How can I multiply, you know, my my limited resources? What about walking on water? What about raising the dead? What about stealing the next Minnesota blizzard that we hope isn't coming today? What about casting out demons? What about being able to captivate crowds and confound your enemies with an anointed teaching? 
And what's so incredible, and you've probably heard me say this before, but it's, it's, it's a worthy observation to bring back into remembrance that we actually only have one occurrence of the Gospels of Jesus' disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to do something. And it's found here in Luke 11, in verse 1. And you'll see here on screen, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. See, this is a significant moment because of all the things that Jesus' disciples could have asked Jesus for. They asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Why is that? To press into this, I mean, by this moment in Jesus' ministry, they'd witnessed him exercise supernatural power. Power in teaching, power in healing, power in delivering, power in redeeming and restoring. Yet, they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Why? And if you don't remember anything else from this, these moments in, in opening the, this, this moment of devotion or teaching, remember this, that if you can learn to pray the way Jesus prayed, you'll have the power to live as Jesus lived. You'll have the power and the ability to trust God the Father, to love as he loved, to forgive, to share the gospel, to walk in wisdom, to think about whatever Jesus did. The power, the, the, the linchpin of that is his life of prayer. But here's the good news. Jesus did not leave his disciples guessing or with the list of random options or a cute little acronym to follow. Sometimes those are helpful. Yes, he gave them a pattern. He answered this. In other words, because Jesus answered the disciples' question about teaching them how to pray with a command, that means that that grace is available to us to be able to obey that command. So the idea is that, beloved, we can and we must pray like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but in recent days, I've been praying this all over. Jesus, teach me to pray. Jesus, teach me to pray. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle what's going on around us, what's going on within me, how I'm trying to make sense of all the turmoil and the violence and the unrest and the division and the polarity and all, all of the hurt and all of the woundedness, all of the pain, all of the frustration. Jesus, teach me how to pray. And we know here that this is only one of uh, the two versions that we see here. What commences after this is a, a version of the Lord's Prayer. And a, Luke gives kind of a condensed version. Matthew expands upon it a little bit. Um, even though the words are the same, the pattern, or sorry, the words are different. The pattern or the spirit behind it is the same. Because Jesus says, pray this way. And what I want to do is I want to look at the Lord's Prayer here for these next, next few moments and to talk about the different ways that you and I can actually begin to apply this. And here's the thing. I promise that to the degree in which we can latch on to this and we can apply this, I'm going to show us just real practically how a couple ways that we can do that. Now, this isn't the way, but these are a couple of ways and ways that I've been practicing for the last over decade of my life that has completely transformed the way that I approach the Lord in prayer. So uh, the first, when we get into Matthew chapter 6, I love, there's, just, just, there's a context 
here that we need to keep in mind. We read in verse 9 that this command, Jesus says, pray then like this, pray this way. But the context of this portion in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we got to see that the beginning of chapter 6, it begins with a warning to not practice our righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And so, in other words, Jesus, uh, he, he, he talks about this life of faith that is something that we practice. It's something that we put into action. And, and, and I like this, when you think about prayer, you know we know, that, we know the term practice makes, okay, perfect, yes. Um, that, doesn't, that doesn't apply to prayer. Here's the, here's the thing, practice makes passionate. Practice makes passionate. And the more that you apply this, you're not going to become this perfect prayer warrior champion. You're going to become a passionate, struggling practitioner of prayer. And that's, that's who I am before you. I am no prayer warrior, prayer expert. I'm a prayer whatever. I'm just somebody who has tr- struggled for, uh, for several years in practicing this. But in that struggle, have met the Lord in significant and transforming ways. But he goes on and he, and he, he says first, there's two, things, there's two ways not to pray. <laughs> Before he says, pray then like this. In Matthew 6, 5 and 6, he says, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they receive their, their reward. So, the, so first he talks about having the wrong motive. And, and really the wrong motive equals receiving a fleeting reward. That our motive in prayer is directly linked to the reward of prayer and we learn here that there is a reward for prayer. So it's a matter of wanting a reward either from people or from God. And so Jesus' corrective here is to begin with the right foundation, a Godward, worship-based focus. He goes on uh, real briefly in Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And he says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And here, the wrong method of prayer is what Jesus is saying. Not only, not only don't have the wrong motive, but have the right method. And this corrective here is, is it's, it's missing a connection altogether. That These empty phrases sometimes that Jesus, I think, is referring to here seems to be connected to the needs of one praying and thinking that being, our being heard is tethered to a certain repeated phrases. But Jesus' corrective is to change the focus and recognizing that we pray to a God who is our Father who knows our needs before we have them. So Jesus here now seeks in the Lord's Prayer to correct both our, meth- our, 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 our motive and our method of prayer. And here's the thing. The Lord's Prayer, some of you maybe grew up in a, tra- in a, in a tradition, a church tradition like I did, where I learned to say the Lord's Prayer by rote memory from a very early age. And in this idea, there's a difference between repeating from rote memory or replicating and reproducing from remembrance. And so this idea is that you can have the structure right, you can have the flow right, you can have all the tenets right, but if you're missing the very substance and the purpose of it, we'll miss it, Jesus' command all here altogether. So he's not teaching us what to pray necessarily, but how to pray when he says pray then like this. And so here in our, in our final, you know, five, six minutes here, I want to I give us just kind of a, a practical crash course and how we can apply this beginning today and throughout this week. And the first is this, uh, to look at the Lord's Prayer, there's a, there's a kind of a 2-2 pattern. 
um, there's a kind of an, an upward focus and a downward focus. And uh, I'm just going to give the first one is this. He is worthy. He is worthy. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is all God word. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's declaring the worthiness of God to be sought. It's a dear friend and mentor of mine, Daniel Henderson, said the only enduring motive of prayer is that God is worthy to be sought. In terms of what's our motive is God's worthiness. And if I can hinge my motive to something that doesn't change, then that'll help me persevere in the place of prayer. Because if my motive is God's worthiness, which never changes, his worthiness is always constant. He's always worthy to be sought. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm thinking, no matter what my circumstance is, that I can enter into prayer. Why? Not because of who's in the room, not because of who's playing on a stage, not because of who's speaking, but because God is worthy to be sought. And the second half of the Lord's Prayer is this idea that we are needy. We are needy. The second half of the Lord's Prayer is manward. It's focusing on on our needs and what we're asking God to do. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We give those a trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So in other words, our neediness before the Lord finds its proper context uh, with, with the foundation of God's worthiness to be sought. And so uh, more could be said on that. But that, that idea, just think about this. You think of the Lord's Prayer, think he is worthy. Let's just say that with me. Can you say he is worthy? Come on. He is worthy. I am needy. He is worthy. I am needy. That's the Lord's Prayer in a sentence. But to, to give just a little bit more of um, an explanation here. There's a first kind of a focus, a focus of prayer. If you look at piece by piece, you can see four different consistent rhythms in the Lord's Prayer. And, and let me say this, that um, to the degree in which we pray like Jesus will be to the degree that we pray Scripture. So in other words, this pattern is, is basically a rubric that we can lay over the top of any passage of Scripture so they don't just read Scripture, you pray Scripture. You don't just study Scripture, you pray Scripture. And, and the best way to apply scripture is by, is by praying scripture. And so this idea in the context of the Lord's Prayer, there's first a focus of reverence. And in other words, it's an idea of remembering who we're speaking with. Prayer begins not with who I am and my needs. It begins with who God is and that he's worthy to be sought. And I love how, how does the Lord's Prayer reveal who God is? Our what? Father, who is in heaven. Holy or hallowed be your name. We have these two, two things interlocking of both, both God's transcendence. In other words, he is above and beyond and holy and completely other. He is in heaven. He is holy. But he's also imminent. He's near. He's our father who loves you and me. He created you. He knows you. He, he, he's crazy about you. He's pursuing you. And for Jesus to say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, it's an expression of reverence. Essentially, you're asking any passage of scripture that you're reading in prayer, how does this passage reveal to me who God is and what he's like, his praiseworthy attributes, and then you praise him. He's worthy. He's worthy. Secondly, it's a downward focus of response. And so you see this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is, this is the idea of responding to God. And it's a part of Jesus' prayer that speaks of, of saying, Jesus, essentially, I want your will, not mine. There's a theme of submission, of surrender, of confession, of repentance, of saying in the way Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And you're praying, essentially, Jesus, if we're praying for Jesus' kingdom to come, essentially what we're also um, recognizing is that every other kingdom must go, including mine. Every other kingdom, every other agenda must bow a knee to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. It's about bringing us back into uh, alignment with God's will, way, and kingdom. And, and this idea of, 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 of God's kingdom is something we've been exploring and unpacking. It's going all the way back to the context of the Sermon on the Mount and the way Jesus talks about how we are to live in this world as his disciples. And and so this idea of, uh, and and by the way, we can't do that on our own. We can't do that by taking a class. We can't do that just by accumulating more head knowledge. We do that through exercising prayer and coming to the Lord in prayer. And then we put it this way before the final two kind of rhythms is that one of the best definitions of prayer, when you think about what truly what is prayer, uh, is a, 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 an evangelist by the name of Alvin Reed it says this way, prayer is intimacy with God. He is worthy. That leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. I am needy. Prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. So this leads us to the, um, the next of inward And we see this inward motion, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So in other words, this is is a time of of focusing. I love Jesus. He he knows what he's talking about when he talks about prayer. Have you ever noticed any prayer request that's ever been taken or written down? It goes in one or two categories. It's It's either a resource need give us a stay our daily bread, something that we're lacking, we're trusting God to provide, or a relationship need. We need to enter into to forgiveness. We need to be able to be made right with those that have wronged us. Jesus talks about later about even loving and praying for our enemies. It's all about relation, resources and relationships. But the idea here is that now that we, we just, we know the Father knows what we need before we ask him. So this is not a time of simply informing God of our needs as it is trusting God as the definer and the provider of our needs. And it's, it's important here that we always match our asking with the motive of God answering, which is his glory. How would God answering your prayer request bring glory to him? In other words, ask, ask yourself this question. If God answered all of your prayers in the last week, would the world around you be any different or just your world? And so this idea of, of that, that we're meant to, that intimacy with God is meant to lead to the expression of fulfillment of his purposes. And then lastly, is this outward focus of readiness. This outward focus of readiness. Hila says this, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from email. Wait, no, that's not what it says. Um, so making sure you're still paying attention. Deliver us from the evil one. Sometimes those go hand in hand, I feel like. So deliver us from the evil one. So during this last step, we ask this question, where do I go from here? This outward stroke reminds us of the spiritual battle that's before us every single day. 
of recognizing who the true enemy is, but more important, reassures us of the spiritual resources within us. We recognize our own inability to overcome the temptations and attacks of our daily lives. This is where we commit ourselves to walk obediently to God's word and his ways, relying on his power as we navigate through the temptations and the snares of the daily life, of our daily life. And I, and I think in closing, there's so much more. Here's the thing. Um, if you're here today, I want to encourage you to do this. Please come back on Wednesday on this room. We're going to have a special time where we're going to actually do this myself um, and one of our spiritual development assistants, Kenneth Granados, and then uh, members of the Worship Arts Collective. We're going to lead a time of prayer from this pattern through Psalm 23 as a continuation of a part of really today and this week of prayer and service. So we're going to be doing that back together in this room because here's the thing. Praying like Jesus means getting clear on the New Testament conviction on community. We live in a culture, we know this, by marked by rugged individualism. The New Testament teaching on prayer flies in the face of that mentality and clearly reveals that the primary current of prayer happens in the context of community. So even just look at this. Notice all the plural personal pronouns. The best way to learn to pray is by praying. Our Father, and we see all that. And here's what I want to invite us to do as we, as we stand and as we worship uh, through song. But before we do, would you stand with me? And I just want to invite us, maybe with fresh eyes and in a way that we never have before, to pray this prayer aloud together as a way that we declare our dependence on the Lord, His worthiness, but also our neediness and our trusting in Him to define and to provide for us what we need most. So let's pray this together. Would you? Let's begin. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Lord, we say to that, to yours is the kingdom in the power, in the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing together.